koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is koinonia. This is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's happening, PHX? It's good to be with you today. This is Bobby Brewer, along with Joel Hello. Cunningham. How's it going? Filling in. And uh, Tom Brown is on break today, so we are glad to fill in for him. So you're, on, uh, you're at the right place. It is indeed Koinonia, and it is AM 1360 KPXQ, but... Uh, we're glad to be here today. We're going to mm-hmm. actually talk about missing Bible verses. What? Is your Bible Wait. missing some verses? That happens? Yeah, well, hey, we're going to dig into it. So, uh, <laughs> hey, we may even talk about the Nephilim and... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please no. All kinds of stuff. <laughs> but before we get started, hey, I wanted to invite you to check out Freak Show Radio. It airs right here. Mm-hmm. on AM 1360 KPXQ on Sundays at 3 o'clock. And we've got a show coming up uh, this weekend, even though it's Memorial Day weekend, on comics and culture That's and uh, the spiritual beliefs of everyone mm. from Green Lantern to the Incredible Hulk. That's and interesting. So you want to check that out. And then yeah. just Plus a lot of the changes they've made in comics, trying to be a little bit more politically correct. Mm-hmm. For example, did you know that the Incredible Hulk is an Asian now? Is he? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd heard about Spider-Man. I heard he's half uh, half black, half Mexican. Yeah. That they changed that. So, so there's a lot. They've been doing that yeah. all over. There's uh, some homosexual superheroes now. Okay. And this is both Marvel and DC. But anyways, tune in on Sunday wow. at 3 o'clock, and you can learn more about that. So speaking of comic books, do you have any movies <laughs> you're looking forward to this summer? You know, honestly, I feel like all the films that I had been looking forward to already came out this year. Um uh, one the one film I'm kind of like holding out hope for in regards to watching is uh, the new Star Wars, the the Rogue One movie, but that's not coming out until like much later in the year. I was kind of looking forward to the Harry Potter one, but I don't know for some reason I'm just questioning. Yeah. So what's the bit. plot yeah. on the Star Wars movie that's coming out later? In there's the year? a there's a group of fighters that I think come together and they're uh, I think it's kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy type things, but in like a Star Wars setting. I'm not exactly sure though, okay. so I don't want to. Don't quote me on that. All right. Is it supposed to be within the same timeline right now, or is it like yes. prequel? Infra- okay. I believe it's in the same timeline of kind of like what's going on right now. All right. Well, hey, if you want to call in today with some questions, you're welcome to do that. The number is 602-274-1360. We're going to be talking about all things Bible, mm-hmm. and uh, specifically, we're going to kind of uh, just talk about what makes the Bible the Bible, and we're going to try to the very best of our ability to deal with some of the frequent attacks. Yes. That's often, you know, directed towards the Bible. Yeah. So, well, I think this is one of those topics that you get a lot of people that um, obviously this can turn into a really big argument with people. You start talking about the Bible, you talk, start talking about inspiration, how the Bible got created. Most of the people either either already kind of have an opinion on this. They're either like, I don't like the Bible, and so I'm looking for justifications of why the Bible doesn't work, or they, you know, I agree with the Bible, so I'm trying to figure out what happens with the Bible. So I would say going into this that you know we're doing our best. I'm I'm doing my best. I'll speak for myself 
to provide as best and most accurate information I can, but I'm not a Bible scholar. I haven't been to school like some people here on the radio station have yeah. to study the Bible, um, not to put your pressure right, yeah. pr- pressure on you. No pressure, no pressure. But uh, that's my that's my you know disclaimer that if I say anything that's not 100% accurate, I'm doing my best. All right, so yeah, direct all uh, <laughs> any heretical concerns, please uh, direct them towards Joel. <laughs> please, I'll no. give you, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> we'll give out a phone number. Yeah, well, when, I tell you what, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about one of the most frequent criticisms uh, regarding the authority of the Bible is the fact that people say it keeps getting changed over the years. And so we're going to mm-hmm. address that Good one. Man. And it kind of came up during the Da Vinci Code. But this is Bobby Brewer along with Joel Cunningham. You're listening to Koinonia here on AM 1360 KPXQ. Don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages. everybody. We are glad to have you with us. Uh, we are talking about a number of great things today. Um, one of the big topics we're going to be talking about today is uh, common criticisms and aspects of the Bible that um, bring a bit of controversy in conversation. And we uh, brought to break basically this idea that um, the Bible is kind of one of the most common criticisms it's received is that it's been changing over the years and that additionally there may be verses that are actually being left out of the Bible. So Bobby, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, Let's start off with you know, the attack, the criticism that the Bible has been changed so much over mm-hmm. the years. Yeah. In fact, if you ever have any Muslim friends, they'll be quick to bring this up. Yeah. You know, that, well, your Bible keeps getting changed all the time. <laughs> and if you are a freshman or a sophomore at a, you know, state university, you mm-hmm. take a course on, you know, the Bible's literature or Christianity or religion, this will often be brought up as well. Yeah. So um, back when the Da Vinci Code came out, we heard this a lot. Yeah. You know, back in like whatever that was, the book I think came out maybe 2003 or four. But anyways, yeah. The when people say that, hey, the Bible's been changed so many times over the years, the question you want to ask them is, who mm. changed it? Yeah. What was changed? <laughs> and why? Why? Yeah. And when? Yeah. All right. So who, what, when, why? Yeah. All right. For you old timers out there, Benny Barbarino. <laughs> All right, so from Welcome Back, Cotter, that was... Uh, Is that his question? Yeah, who, what, where, when, why? And so, <laughs> yeah, a lot of times sim- people are simply repeating a mantra they've mm-hmm. heard. It becomes an urban legend. So they've heard so many times that the Bible's been changed. Uh, they just presume it to be true. Yeah. But, okay, well, who changed it? Right, and why? What are they, what verse, Do you know what verses they changed? Right. And they won't be able to give you an answer because it just simply didn't happen. Now, the Old Testament was written by the Levites... And the scribes, mm-hmm. who, of course, paid great attention to detail. Right. There's some stories out there they talk about even just writing the name uh, Yahweh and how they would go into you know every letter and washing right. their hands. and yeah. yeah, exactly. They wouldn't even spell out the name yeah. Yahweh or Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, didn't, you know, they would leave the vows out. Right. That, that's how much a reverence they had for God. But mm-hmm. there was a book uh, in regards to the completed Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament. There is a book known as the Muraturian Canon. Mm. Right. Yeah, it does. And so uh, it's also known as the Muratorian Fragment. Uh, this is an actual 
ancient list of New Testament books, uh, the oldest list that's been found. Right. And uh, it's pretty fascinating because the original document was it was written in Greek, and it shows up, you know, no later than the year 180. Mm-hmm. It may be a little earlier than yeah. 180, but by the year 180, uh, there was a list of the books that were considered Scripture, and it includes 22 of the 27 books. Uh, of the Bible, yeah, and so that that's pretty legit. I mean, so this is again, no one's sitting down saying these are the books of the Bible. This is just simply a list, yeah, of uh, you know some Bible books, right? All right. Um, there was a thing known as the uh, Council of Trent, which said that the apocryphal books were Scripture, hmm. but this is something that was only recognized by the Roman Catholic Church, and that was in right. the 1500s. So uh, when people say that, one, I think they're, you know, when they're saying, that, well, the Bible keeps getting changed, I think they're, one, they're repeating an urban legend. Yeah. You know, okay, well, what changed? John 3.16? I mean, we talk about who changed right. it. Why? Yeah. I mean, do you have any evidence? Absolutely. Oh, okay, now you're just repeating something you keep hearing. All yeah, right. it's a really easy argument to make to just say, well, it's changed, so that means it's invalid. But you have to, you know, obviously look at the historical reasons for why we have what we have, but also just question, you know, well, what's the significance of those changes? What do those changes mean? You know, the who, what, when, where, why yeah. <laughs> of it, you know, maybe yeah. they put a period in a spot that there should be a comma and they had to, because we're human, you know, and we, we're, we're trying to put something down on paper. And as humans, you know, you're flawed. You're not perfect. You're going to make a mistake every once in a while with like a fat finger or something. Right. Now, uh, the way the scriptures were made, you know, they were uh, copied by scribes, and sometimes they were in things called a scriptorium, mm. where it'd be like being in a classroom, and you'd have, you know, basically the equivalent of a professor up front reading out a verse, Yeah. and the scribes w- would copy it. And mm. so, yes, sometimes perhaps they would make a mistake in what they heard. Uh, possibly they could leave out something by accident. Yeah. But you got to keep in mind in a scriptorium, okay, so you've got 20 others in there at least. And so it can, it's very easily correctable, mm-hmm. okay, because we have, uh, you know, people refer to this as the majority text, that because we have so many others, we know what it should say. Right. 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 So, yeah, it's just an attack that really, uh, it's sloppy thinking, it's mm-hmm. sloppy reasoning, and most people just simply haven't really done their homework yeah, on this question. Yeah, you know, when they hear it, and so, um, so that's happened. And yeah, the apocrypha. You know, those books were that was in the fifteen hundreds. Yeah, uh, about the Council of Trent, but that was uh, specifically the Roman Catholic Church. They mm-hmm. chose to include some books that they consider to be scriptural that Protestants do not. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two questions that sort of come to mind. I think out of that answer, and one is obviously has to do with the apocrypha, and more clarification regards that, and then the other has to do with. You know, people saying that obviously things have changed in the Bible, but what would you say in regards to people that actually claim that things have been removed and mm-hmm. taken out of the Bible? Because yeah. that's more than that is more significant than just you know well, we're changing the you know something from plural to not plural or changing the the way this word is being translated. Yeah. Um, well, let me say first of all about the Apocrypha. I think it's a, a valuable collection of books. Yeah. It was written between 400 BC and the time of Christ, and mm-hmm. so. As far as the scriptures are concerned, uh, thus saith the Lord, Malachi was the last prophet to speak, mm-hmm. thus saith the Lord. And there yeah. was a period of 400 years of silence. It's a while. <laughs> it's a while. Yeah. But spiritual books were still being written during that time frame. Absolutely. And a number of them became uh, very you know, popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, some of the books like, uh, you know, Tobit, uh, there's one that's called The Letter of Jeremiah, which not to be confused with... Uh, 
the prophet book of Jeremiah. Probably the most popular would be First and Second Maccabees, mm-hmm. and um, they they didn't meet the biblical requirements of being considered scripture, right? Um, and that's why even the Council of Trent, and we were talking about it, it's not until the 1500s mm-hmm. where the Roman Catholic Church chooses to add these books. And so they're insightful as far as the fact they kind of revealed the mindset of what people were thinking yeah. you know, during that time frame. Yeah. But according to you know, Malachi and according to you know, the time of John the Baptist, you know, John the Baptist was like the first prophet to show. I mean, he was like a mm-hmm. prophet of old, you know, like— Living on the desert, <laughs> does say it the Lord. I mean, the, locusts and yeah, he was such. like Elijah. You know, we hadn't, you know, no one had seen anything like him since you know the time of Malachi. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they they include you know some things that, well, you know, some people say that the idea of purgatory mm-hmm. comes from the Book of Maccabees. Okay, that right? makes sense. Yeah. And so yeah, there's some things like that that are, don't really uh, sync up with yeah. what we call scripture. Scripture meaning does say it the Lord that these are considered books inspired by God and trustworthy. Yeah, and I think so kind of maybe a question some people out there are asking, well, then how did these books that we have in the Bible end up in the Bible? And there's sort of a list of, you know, five sort of reasons for why these books did end up getting included and some that did not. Um, And we can go over those. Um, The five are kind of basically, you know, first was the book written by a prophet or an apostle of God. Uh, Second was, you know, was a writer confirmed by acts of God. Um, the third, does the message tell the truth of God? Uh, the fourth, did it come with the power of God? And then five, was it accepted by God's people? And I would also add to that, so obviously the books that we have in the Bible right now are accepted for these five reasons. But in addition to that, you know, even talking about the the verse, the, you know, the, the text that we have from back then with the list of books, most of these books had already been viewed as by a lot of Christians back then as canonical scripture verses and some of the verses in the books themselves actually talk about other books being scripture. So really what it came down to was at some point they just had to put a clarification to say, okay, well, we're going to just, because what happens is if you don't put a clarification there, then people want to come and they automatically are going to do what, you know, they're going to create some false religion. They're going to create some false belief and they're going to say, well, this should be added. This should be a part of it. So they really had to take some time to just say, okay, well, this is it. And this is not it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there was a, a council known as the Council of Nicaea, which clarified this. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't happen until the 300s, but Christians had known for a long time which books were the biblical books. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. There was a, a rising movement in the first century known as Gnosticism, mm-hmm. which was very similar to Christianity. I mean, yeah. it would be as similar as what Jehovah Witness witnesses are today or mm. Mormons. I mean, it was to the average bear, they would all look the same. Wow. You know, you, you'd have to be on the inside to not actually we're teaching some different things here. So that's yeah. how powerful and how you know similar Gnosticism was to Christianity. And so, yeah, they had to say, no, these, these are the books. And so like the New Testament, for example, the qualifier was that it had to be written by an apostle. Right. Now, in the first century, an apostle meant someone who had been personally called by Jesus Christ to be a follower. So therefore, Matthew, stop tax collecting, come and follow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Peter, James, Andrew, I mean, drop your nets, come and follow. So there was a Mm -hmm. personal call by Jesus Christ. So they had walked with Jesus and are been a contemporary of Jesus Christ. So Mm -hmm. Paul meets the qualifier because he was a contemporary of Jesus and Mm -hmm. he had the road to Damascus experience. That got on the road. Yeah. So you have, you know, someone like Peter writes, you know, first, second Peter, um, really Mark was like a 
he was one of the 70 disciples, but he was also mm-hmm. a protege of Peter. Yeah. So anyways, they, hey, they, these have to be the qualifiers. And yeah. that you saw Jesus following his resurrection. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of great books written. You know, um, there's a lot of great songs written today. How come we can't throw, uh, you know, the recent songs <laughs> by David Crowder and yeah. Hillsong in the back of Psalms? Why not? Right. Well, because there's qualifiers as to what. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean they're not good. It doesn't mean that we can't learn from them. It just simply means when it comes to Scripture, when we're saying, does say at the Lord, there were indeed some qualifiers some in place. Identifiers. I mean, you mentioned the idea of like, well, why not throw Purpose Driven Life in there? That's a great book. It's yeah. a lot of good sure. things. It's yeah. spiritual. Yeah. But, you know, we're not going to do that because it's not canonical. It's not <laughs> yeah. right. part of the book. And yeah. in some cases, they did that, you know, um, just because... It was such a tedious, laborious task. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, might as well put this one in too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, there, that's why there was a list mm-hmm. of, hey, these are the books that are scripture. These ones we don't consider yeah. to be thus saith the Lord. Yeah. We're coming up on a break here pretty soon, but I, and, you know, I would say we're getting pretty deep into this. You know, if people out there have questions, obviously you can call in. Yeah. Um, 602-274-1360 if you want to call. We'd be glad to hear from you. Absolutely. And then my other encouragement of sure, for sure is, you know, look into this stuff. You know, we're not saying anything that only a select few people have information about, but hopefully it would inspire you to do some research yourself. Absolutely. To look into. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, get out your NIV Bible. When we, when we come back, we're going to talk about some verses that may be missing mm, from your it. Bible. <laughs> and why aren't yeah. they there? Why are they missing? So don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages. This is Bobby Brewer, along with Joel Cunningham. You're listening to Cornelia here on AM 1360 KPXQ. Listening to Koinonia here on AM 1360 KPXQ. This is Bobby Brewer along with Joel Cunningham. Appreciate you uh, hanging out with us this afternoon. And uh, again, before I forget, I want to invite you to tune in on Sundays at 3 o'clock for Freak Show Radio. It's a (laughs) show that I do. And this coming Sunday, we're going to be talking about comics and Mm -hmm. spirituality. Yeah. And so, for example, did you know that uh, Superman um, renounced his allegiance to? America. Really? Yeah, we know forever he was for truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah, that was kind of his big mantra, right. if you will. Well, what happened was he got pushed into a corner, though. and so he's A cons- literal corner or a metaphorical? Uh, uh, political, a political corner. A political corner, okay. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't his fault. I mean, he, you know, <laughs> as as Clark Kent would say, you know, hey, I grew up in Kansas. I'm as American as they can be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but he got pushed into a corner because... Uh, well, he's from Krypton. Right. Okay. And he's yeah. considered an uh, illegal alien. <laughs> like literally an illegal yeah. alien, yeah. Yeah. And so Superman's saying, hey, I've, I'm here to defend a whole planet. Yeah. You know, not just the United States. And hmm. so, yeah, kind of interesting. So, that is interesting. Yeah. So there's a, a Justice League, and there's also a Justice League of America. Yeah. And so uh, the Justice League is like, you know, Superman, Batman, Green Lantern. Like Green Lantern's kind of in the same boat because yeah. they're like, hey, his allegiance is to the Green Lantern Corps, yeah. to America. So anyways, there's a new group, well, not a new wow. group, but now there's a group 
Justice League of America, which is made up of superheroes mm. who are that's interesting. They're more of a government-based group. Well, we've always had relevant aspects. I've never been a huge comic book fan, but I know that there's always been relevant aspects of social um, causes in comic books. But it seems like, especially these days, it's becoming such a huge thing with the you know overwhelming popularity of comic book movies and a lot of that content sort of becoming at the forefront. So yeah, it does. And mm-hmm. so like in you know they're trying you know I'm th- I think it's kind of a good idea to try and you know give a little bit more of a mass appeal for example the incredible hulk is an asian right now <laughs> uh, thor uh, thor is a woman hulk and, smash big wall right yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> they're always doing these type of things but anyways we're going to be talking about that mm. this coming sunday so right oh, before we took a break we talked about does the NIV which is the best selling english version now it even sells more copies than the king james version mm mm-hmm. Which was the bestseller for about three hundred years, right? But is the NIV missing a few verses? And well, if you have your NIVs, if you're listening, but Joel, why don't you go ahead and pull up an NIV for us? So let me Crack ask it you open if you, here real quick for yeah, us. Yeah, all right. So does your NIV have Matthew seventeen twenty one? Uh, no, it has a big giant twenty one, but nothing after it. Really? Yeah, it's empty. Okay, so there is a, a <laughs> there's a numeric twenty one, but there's no words. Yeah, or it verse. says twenty one e e. Okay, in the, all right. The first part of the verse. Well, Matthew seventeen twenty one says, "How be it this kind goeth not out by prayer and fasting." Uh, in the well, King James version. Well, wait example. a minute, Bobby. The, the NIV doesn't say anything, so I don't think it says that actually. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. so uh, let's do one more. Okay. okay so, yeah, uh, right. does your NIV have Matthew eighteen verse eleven? All right, let me get that. Uh, no, okay. Uh, no, that is another big no. Really? 11E. So what does it say? It just goes from like verse 10 to verse 12? or It says nothing or see other verses, I guess, okay, is interesting. what it's indicating. Okay, so Matthew eighteen eleven <laughs> says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. Hmm. So that's, that's a pretty good verse. That's pretty strange. I mean, are they just like, are they just trying to get rid of verses in the Bible so people stop <laughs> learning or... Well, in the Bible? what we think, uh, no, not <laughs> what we think. We know what's happened. What's happened is um, we know that there are some other manuscripts that have come out um, that have been discovered since the publication of the King James Version in 1611. Uh-huh. So f- predominantly for the Old Testament, of course, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. Right. Uh, they have discovered some manuscripts known as the um, Sinaiticus. Hmm. And... You know, the Alexandrian text and even some, um, what they call them, Byzantine texts based after Byzantium, which yeah. today is actually Istanbul. So they have found, you know, a collection, you know, since, you know, 1611. That was a while back, right? Yeah, so, quite a while. So the oldest existing manuscripts that we have right now do not include those two verses, for example. Actually, it's about mm. 16 verses that the NIV doesn't include that like the King James Version would, for example, or maybe even a new King James Version. It's interesting. So, you know, in some ways, to their credit, yeah, the NIV is saying, uh, well, you know, based upon the oldest manuscripts that we have right now, mm-hmm. uh, these verses are not included. Right. So you're saying it wasn't some editor that was having a bad day and decided, I'm just going to get rid of some verses. I don't think so. Okay. Um, however... <laughs> Uh, you know, the King James Version was based on what's known as the Textus Receptus. Okay. And that sounds like an amazing name, a band name, if, it, if anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. So uh, basically, it means received text, you know, so it's Latin mm. for received text. So, okay. Um, and they have at least an oral tradition. So right now, there's 
no, you know, right now, yeah, the the manuscripts that are used for the NIV are older. Yeah. But the Textus Receptus is claiming an older oral tradition. Okay. They're saying that, yeah, we cannot produce these texts right now, but spend a history of the church mm. to include these verses in the Bible. That and makes sense. And it's yeah. in the oral tradition. So I think it's a healthy tradition, yeah. you know, quite honestly. And yeah. uh, I th- I respect that, you know, like the NIV wants to, you know, up front saying, hey, we know, we're not sure. I mean, the oldest manuscripts don't have these verses. We right. think they were added at a later time. Yeah. So therefore, we're not going to include it. But it very well could be that at some point a new discovery could be made where actually it turns out now we do have a manuscript that's older than the Alexandrian text. Mm. And it turns out, you know, KJV was right. Yeah. And so, plus the oral tradition. So let me ask you. Obviously, this could be a huge stopping point for some people because they're saying, oh, well, you know, everybody says that the Word of God is God's Word. It's unchanging. It's completely accurate. Does this mean that we should look at the Bible as a flawed? I mean, there's literally two different versions of the same text. Some are including things. I mean, what's the significance of these verses in regards to that, basically? Yeah, well, the what's known as the autographers, you know, it's like where we get the word autograph. They were inspired. They were flawless. Mm. Okay, so these manuscripts keep getting copied over and over and over mm-hmm. by humans. Um, is it possible that Zondervan could make a printing mistake in the Bible? Yes. Yeah. Uh, does that negate the authority and the inspiration of Scripture? No. Mm. Uh, well, all it simply means is that, you know, we need to do our homework. And the Bible you have today, you know, the thing we learned from the Dead Sea Scrolls, the book of Isaiah that you're reading today, is the same Isaiah that we're reading over 2,000 years ago yeah. in Qumran. And wow. so it doesn't, but I think it is something to be mindful of. You know, yeah. when uh, new versions keep coming out and they keep deleting verses without explaining why. Yeah. Like some other English versions, they'll do the same, yeah. but they'll put it in a footnote. And they'll yeah. just simply say the oldest manuscripts do not include these verses, or they'll say something like the majority text mm-hmm. doesn't include this verse, mm. meaning that they kind of feel like it's up for debate. But I, right. I, for me, I like that they're up front about it. Yeah, yeah. And I would – I mean I'll put you know, just a little disclaimer here and say that on, I'm looking online, and the website has a footnote that says that the verses that aren't in here that I'm not finding anything, it says – some manuscripts include here the words similar to, and then it'll list another verse. Right. So they might be different in different, you know, text printed versions or something like that. But um, I think it's a pretty good indicator of them saying like, hey, we're not including this. We're not just cutting it out. Right. Um, because there's that option as well. I, a lot of people don't necessarily recognize this, but, you know, when the it's obvious in some ways. But when the when the verses were written originally, they weren't written in like a verse – you know, broken down by paragraph with section headers and everything like that. And those are additions that we've made over time. Yeah, they didn't even to, use periods or anything. Right, yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, so we've, we've made that to make things easier for us and to help us better understand and study the Bible. But, you know, so they're, they're, they're not trying to just up and pull things out and jump over the verse and act like it's going from 16 to 17 to 18 and not even listed there. They're literally saying, look, there's sometimes a verse here, but look into why, you know, <laughs> that, that might not be there. Right. Yeah. So um, one other thing I wanted to go to is, you know, we talked about this a little bit now, is um, this is a topic that can be really heated for some people, um, is the King James Version of the Bible. Yeah. We hear all over the place from certain groups of people that the King James Version, for whatever reason, um, is like the only version of the Bible that is truly accurate and truly indicates what God said in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So what do you say about somebody that 
um, thinks that like the King James version is a better translation than some of the newer ones or that it's, you know, the, the only one that they can make use of. Yeah. I think, uh, King James version is an excellent translation of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it'd be, you know, it's not the word of God, right? So, uh, you know, I mean, the word of God was composed, you know, you know, in BC mm-hmm. days and, you know, in the New Testament era within the first century. And it wasn't composed in English. Yeah. It was originally. composed in uh, Hebrew, some Aramaic, and uh, Greek. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's what I think some of the tension is due to our own preference and familiarity. Uh, for example, uh, we, you know, it's just new. And therefore, if you've grown up on something like the King James, like keep in mind the King James Version was the version for 300 years right. in the English-speaking world. Right. A lot of people grew up memorizing verses in the King James Version. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's got a little bit of familiarity. It's almost like comfort food I got you you. Know, to a degree. It's all the you know. these and the thous and the yeah. thou knowest not. <laughs> but check this out. Uh, the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation of the Old Testament, it was the most popular version during the time of Jesus. And then later, a scholar named Jerome would translate the Bible into Latin. Uh, this was known as uh, the Latin Vulgate. That was in the first, uh, 15th century. And it was absolutely scandalous at the time. Really? Scandalous. Well, because you just <laughs> translated it into Latin, oh, wow. the Bible. That's interesting. And so check this out. This is kind of funny. One of the biggest issues was over the book of Jonah. Because I think in Latin, uh, it means just some type of other vegetable mm. or something, whereas yeah. they had always uh, translated it as gourd. Mm. Okay. And so they used a different <laughs> word. They're like, no, we're not sure about gourd. We think, yeah. uh, I mean, it's some, it might be squash even. Okay. Well, we don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so uh, so that was like the biggest issue That's when that came well, out. Let me just say for everyone, how dare he? Yeah, right. How dare he change it to Latin? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, then uh, guess what? Uh, the Latin Vulgate becomes the most popular version. Mm. until a guy named Erasmus, he translates it into Greek and Latin. Yeah. Now, th- this was absolutely scandalous. Oh, geez. Another scandal. Sc- scandalous. Another uh, scandal. Well, so many scandals. Well, the, the reason it was scandalous this time is because the church had divided into the East and West. Yeah. And so the Western European church mm. used uh, Latin, okay. and the Eastern used Greek. I got you. Yep. So why would you, use, why would you want to use that corrupt Greek language, but even though it was originally written in Greek. So some of it, I think, is just simply those type of issues. So, mm. hey, don't go away. We've got a few more uh, uh, topics here on what makes the Bible the Bible and some of its uh, most frequently asked questions from critics. This is Bobby Brewer along with Joel Cunningham. You're listening to Koinonia on AM 1360 KPXQ. Yep. Slow it down for all you lovebirds out there. Come on out to the dance floor. What did we just turn into? I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Hey, this is Bobby Brewer along with Joel Cunningham. You are listening to Koinonia. We're uh, honored and blessed to fill in for Tom Brown today. Absolutely. And uh, I want to thank you so much for 
being a part of uh, the show today. And we've been talking about uh, basically just some typical criticisms uh, that skeptics ask about the Bible. And uh, we were wrapping up right before the break talking about the King James mm-hmm. Version yeah. only yeah. movement. And so interestingly enough, as far as I know, it's not a ESV only no, just movement just or James. a NIV only <laughs> movement. <laughs> it's just King only. James Version only. And, you know, I just want to be succinct about this. You know, um, in and of itself, uh, the King James Version is a version. Mm. It's an English version, specifically a uh, 1611 English version of the scriptures. And so that doesn't make it better nor worse than Mm. any of the other manuscripts, uh, translations, I should say, or versions, provided the fact that the scholars doing the translating are truly doing their very best to translate it simply. This is what it means in the English language, and they're not adding any uh, political... Oh, you know, views into Tilt it. Tilt or opinion. Yeah, so like the TNIV, for example. The, mm-hmm. We t- talked about that. Yeah, yeah, that was an example where they intentionally tried to politicize the Bible. Right. And, okay, you know, I've lost all respect for that. Yeah. You know, uh, just translate. It's, it's God's Word. Right. You know, They're not it, trying to give you an honest just they translation. Have, They're trying exactly. to change it. <laughs> they have an agenda. And so uh, the Bible was, you know, it was written at Hebrew. You know, the Old Testament was uh, written predominantly in Hebrew, some Aramaic, New Testament's written in Greek. Mm-hmm. Jerome was one of the first to begin translating scriptures into Latin in 1410. And um, the first English translation was actually called the Wycliffe Bible, which was about 1382. And it was uh, in mm-hmm. 1611 that the King James Version came out. So since then, since 1611, that is, our access to biblical manuscripts has increased dramatically. Most notably would be mm-hmm. the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, 1947, which, in addition to affirming our existing text, provided enhanced insight and understanding of the Bible. Yeah. You know, that the same Bible that, you you know, the same Jeremiah you're reading is the same Jeremiah they were reading thousands of years ago. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, um, right now, you know, the King James, ESV, the NIV, or, and the message would be some of the more popular translations yeah. uh, into English language. Definitely and, up there. I think you and I were talking about this before, you know, uh, my wife and I we were watching an episode of the Andy Griffith show, and even though mm-hmm. that show was filmed in the 1960s, I was thinking, you know what, uh, our language has changed even just over that time. I mean, obviously, yeah. I could understand everything they were saying, but yeah. just some of the expressions. The way in which you communicate, and words yeah. take on, I mean, that's the reason why words are added to the dictionary, or the multiple A, B, C definitions of words, they take on new meaning over time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, yeah, things change over time, translations can the English language is changing over time. So the, the ancient manuscripts are not changing, obviously, but the way we you know, try to translate them into an English language of today, yeah. not in the 1600s, Absolutely. has changed. So we've talked a lot about the King James, and we should probably move on. Yeah. Real quick, yeah. the one question I will ask is, does the King James offer a better translation, though, sometimes? There's a few cases where I do believe the King James Version has a superior translation. Uh, the okay. most famous, I would say, is John 3.16. Mm, okay. Surprisingly, God so loved the world, the gave His only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have what kind of life? Everlasting. Everlasting. Mm-hmm. Now, many of the other English versions will say eternal. Ah, okay. Okay. Now, eternal means to have no beginning and no end. Right. Now, when we use the word eternal today, we typically think that means forever. Right. You know, my eternal love, it's forever. Mm-hmm. But really, see, everlasting means to have a beginning and to have no ending. No end. Yeah. And so really, when we get born again, we receive a beginning but no ending. And mm-hmm. so this, that would be a case where I feel like actually John 3.16, perhaps the most famous verse, yeah. uh, the King James Version, so far 
translates that verse better than any of the other contemporary yeah. translations. Well, and I would say, so we're moving to kind of a topic that's different here, but prior to that, I would just clarify, you know, if you're studying the Bible, it's important. There's multiple translations for a reason, and there's nothing stopping you from going and looking at three or four different versions and seeing, okay, well, this one says this, this one says this, this one says this, and kind of studying it, looking at the different, you know, reasons for why it was translated in certain ways. You know, there's tons of scripture and verse, you know, commentaries that are out there that that'll help you understand, okay, well, this is the intent and the meaning of the verse, not just how am I interpreting this word myself. Right. So that's what, what I would encourage. Um, so the next question, like I said, kind of leads us into a different uh, thought, um, but it's basically the question is, starts with a statement, which is I've just finished reading the Old and New Testaments and the Quran. Uh, it is said that all these books are the word of God and written by his prophets. I would appreciate your opinion as to whether this is correct or that there are possible errors in these translations. Um, you know, are they talking about, you think, errors in the translations in regards to the Bible? Yeah, right. I would think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, when just that question, the way it's asked, it's typically it's they're referring to something like, you know, what about the story of Jonah? Mm-hmm. Did he really get swallowed yeah. you know, by a great fish you yeah. know, or by a well? And, you know, all the information we have is that the Bible is just straightforward. You know, mm-hmm. it's not trying to give us any pie-in-the-sky type of information. And, you know, as we've shared before, um, you know, some of the very real events that took place, you know, like Peter denying Jesus, why would you include something like that? Yeah. You know, if you're, you know, here's your leader, a guy who denied Jesus three times in front of a servant girl. Making himself look bad there. <clears throat> yeah, you know, Noah passed out drunk, you know, uh, why include that? Yeah. Um, well, because that's the way it happened. And mm. so, you know, uh, to me, you know, wh- you know, the best question to ask is what error are you talking about? Mm. What mistake are you talking about? Because once again, people are sometimes they're repeating a mantra that they've heard and they've never really researched it for themselves. So, you know, like what... Which one are you talking about? So, you know, in addition to being the inspired Word of God, though, uh, it's trustworthy. It's reliable. It's also a, the Bible is a historical collection of manuscripts as well that keeps getting, you know, more and more uh, as the more archaeological discoveries are made. Mm-hmm. We actually learned the Bible's, you know, historically reliable as well. For example, for years, people say there was no such thing as the Hittites, that they were like a mythological race of people that, okay, you Christians, you Jewish people, you just made this up to mm-hmm. have a mythological enemy yeah, because there was no evidence for them. Well, until 1909 when they discovered, you know, a thing called the Ebla tablets, which affirmed that there was an entire race of people known as the Hittites. They had poetry, you know, they had art mm. and everything. Wow. So I don't know, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think based upon the question, it seems like this person is maybe not necessarily a follower of Muslim faith or Christian faith. It seems like almost like they're reading the Old New Testaments and the Quran as just kind of like, you know, an outside perspective type thing. And they're asking the question, you know, is is it a translation to say that – is it a translation error to say that each of them are claiming that they are the word of God by written by his prophets? And I, I personally haven't written all of the Quran. I've, I've written portions of it and, and don't know – you know, I, I don't want to quote it or, you know, say anything about it. And I know that they do actually have claims for sure that they are written by prophets – um, and I believe that they do claim as well that the Quran is the inspired word of God um, as well. But, you know, I, I can say for sure that the Old New Testament, that's not a translational error. I mean, they 
there is claim that this is the actual word of God and it is his inaccurate, you know. Yeah, and so, you know, I I get it that, you know, just because it says it's inspired, it doesn't necessarily make it inspired. But, you know, the Bible doesn't claim to be inspired. Right. You know, the scriptures are, you know— you know, I think of, you know, like Jonah 1-1, you know, this is the word of the Lord that came to Jonah. Malachi, this is the word of the Lord that came to Malachi. Yeah. In uh, the beginning. Zephaniah, this was is the, the word of the Lord that yeah. came to Zechariah. I mean, yeah. pretty much all the prophets, for example, they, they, you know, they begin their manuscripts by saying this is the word of yeah. the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. So good question. Um, hopefully got a good answer there for you as well. Um, this kind of leads into another, you know, we're talking about translational aspects of the Old Testament. Um there's a person here that's wondering basically that – well, they were taught in their class, which is called Understanding Catholic Christianity at, at college, that basically the stories were made up in the Old Testament as a means to help Jews kind of understand their faith. Um, and they were wondering what your stance is on the Old Testament and if you think that it's mostly made up. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the Old Testament uh, refers to historical events, and the Bible is verifiable. It can be checked by both external and his, you know, historical you know, evidence. And there's a wealth of archaeological discoveries to illustrate the Old Testament's authenticity. Um, just a few examples of some of the excavations of Nuzi that was done in 1925 through 41. Um, hmm. Actually, I could go on and on. Yeah. You know, uh, here's, I'll just make it simple for the listener. Um, <laughs> there really was a widow's mite. Okay, so they have discovered coinage yeah. that, oh, there actually was a thing called a oh, widow's might. There really was a historical figure known as Nebuchadnezzar. Hmm. There really was a historical figure known as Pontius Pilate. Yeah. Uh, there really was a town known as Ur of the Chaldee. I mean, yeah. you know, just over and over, there really was a census that was given by, um, you know, Caesar Augustus. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, just over and over, uh, the information says there really, these were historical people. Mm-hmm. And historical events are not mythological, mm-hmm. you know, people. Absolutely, I think, and there's nothing wrong in a sense of trying to figure out the stories and figure out the truth behind them and how they happened or why they happened. I think, you know, when you research into it, eventually you will see, you know, that there is truth behind them. I remember the funny thing is, this, it's a huge topic for some people in trying to discredit, especially these stories. And I remember looking back uh, at this documentary I was watching on uh, Discovery Channel, and they were doing research into some of these, you know stories of crazy things that happened in the Bible. This one was more of a New Testament one, obviously, but it was talking about the story of when Jesus walked on the water. Um, and it was saying that based upon where he was walking on the water, um, at certain times of the year, at certain times of the day, um, if the weather was just right, you could actually, uh, there were little nearly invisible sheets of ice would actually form on the surface of the water that potentially a person, if they knew just how to do it, could actually right. walk across these little nearly invisible sheets of ice and somehow. So, I mean, sometimes yeah. it's kind of like, well, how far are you going to stretch your imagination here to try and make something into <laughs> Right. <laughs> into yeah, it's like, uh, you know, the Red Sea, like some people say, oh, no, what really it meant to read sea. Yeah. Which is a lot smaller. <laughs> okay, well, well still, still Pharaoh way. and his army somehow drowned in a... A miraculous creek. parting of the immaculate, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> a remarkable parting of the creek. I yeah, mean, so you know, for me, I've never had amazing. issues with that. I don't know why. I know we're all wired different, but you know, like it's like the age of the Earth. Yeah, you know, or how old is the universe? You know, as far as I'm concerned, God could have created everything in six nanoseconds. Yeah, if you wanted to. You know, yeah, absolutely. Six seconds. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like not a problem. I yeah. mean, so, anyways, <laughs> hey, we are going to take a break. This is Bobby Brewer along with. Joel Cunningham, you've been listening to Queen Nia here on AM 1360 KPXQ. Don't go away. We've got one more segment for you. We'll be right back after these messages.
Welcome back to Koinonia on 1360 KPXU. We're filling in today for Tom Brown. I'm Joel Cunningham here with Bobby Brewer, one of those uh, amazing men of God that knows way more about the Bible than I do, which we've learned a lot about today. Uh, I <laughs> um, hope so. Yeah, and uh, obviously we've had a lot of good topics. We talked about a lot of stuff here. We're coming up in the end. I wanted to discuss just super quickly a huge thing that a lot of people talk about but don't know anything about, uh, Nephilim. Nephilim. Yeah, <laughs> all right. They, they just keep coming up, man. Yeah, so, they pop out of nowhere. Yeah. So, do you have any thoughts on who they are? Yeah, I do. We know they're referred to as the sons of God in Genesis 6. And my best interpretation would be that they're fallen angels. Uh, but, you know, basically somehow, you know, it appears that some type of cohabitation or intermarriage between humans and fallen angels, something weird was going on. Now, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be possible because, you know, we're talking about spiritual beings with right. beings that have... Uh, body and soul, but whatever was happening, it was so wicked Mm -hmm. that the flood comes in the following chapter. Mm -hmm. So whatever, you know, and it was, they're referred to as a race of giants, Uh, something really wicked was going on. In fact, some people Mm -hmm. believe that the angels who participated in this, the Nephilim, are actually the uh, spirits in prison that Peter talks about. Hmm. You know, there's spirits who are in prison right now. So... um, it's interesting, though, you know, Mark 6, 1 through 4 is best understood as depicting rulers from the line of Seth, who in the context of the ancient Near East would have been understood as the sons of God, okay? Yeah, yeah. Just as, like, sometimes, you know, Egyptian rulers and people in the ancient Near East, anyone who had royalty, they were referred to as deity or, or sons of God, but hmm. not always, like, in a worshipful sense. But uh, up until this time, though, in Genesis 6, it seems like the descendants of Seth were the moral polar opposites of Cain. Yeah. And once this intermarrying started happening, something really weird started going down. Something scandalous. Somebody was perhaps translating something to Latin. Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) there you go. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. And uh, thanks to Tom Brown for uh, allowing us to guest host. And I hope you'll tune in to Freak Show Radio on Sunday at Mm -hmm. 3 o'clock right here on AM 1360. Have a safe drive home if you're out there. Peace. The Middle East. Yeah.